Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hi, I'm Jed Bodwin, and I live in Wichita, Kansas. I am a Patreon supporter for Creative Control. I discovered Creative Control some years ago, I think maybe while looking for interviews with Tommy Stinson of The Replacements, and uh, I stumbled across this this conversation that Vish had with Tommy Stinson that was really insightful. Vish held his own. I think Tommy can be a little bit of a difficult interview at times, and it went really well, and it really uh, got into some areas that I wasn't expecting, and I thought, gosh, I have to listen to more of this guy and his podcast. Sometimes I'm not necessarily a fan of the music or musicians that uh, Vish will have on the show, but I always appreciate their creative process a little bit more. And uh, more times than not, though, it does lead me to uh, finding a new musical artist that I'm interested in or to think a little bit differently about maybe some artists whose work I've overlooked. So, Go ahead, and if you've been waiting at all to support Vish and Creative Control, now is probably the best time to do it. I know as a public radio employee here in Kansas, listener-supported broadcasting, whether it's podcasts or radio itself, really isn't a thing of the past. It's actually very much a thing of both the present and the future. So, yay Vish, yay Creative Control. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, Please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Craig is a captivating and beguiling musician, songwriter, and singer based in Toronto, Ontario. A beloved collaborator who has worked with The Weather Station and The Cosmic Range, among others, Craig is a gifted solo artist as well, who boldly explores and ponders the human spirit and heartfelt songs that share some kinship 
with kaleidoscopic psychedelic modes. On November 4th, 2022, Ide Fix Records released Craig's wondrous new album, Echoes Reach, and so Isla returned to Creative Control for a talk about things like uh, leaving the core of the city to live on Toronto Island, a question she had about young musicians' prospects that uh, Patti Smith shot down, and my theory as to why, celebrating successful punks while championing those who aren't as lucky, the conceptual framework of Echo's Reach, and how life in a pandemic may have inspired it, what she took away from my recent Wise Blood interview, how psychedelia is related to jazz and how both inform her new album, getting elemental in a ravine, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control, which is the primary source of revenue for all the work that goes into the show. Thanks to all of you who support the show on Patreon with a monthly donation. If you want to learn more about how you can do that, visit patreon.com slash creative control. Plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 739 of Creative Control, featuring the wise and wonderful Isla Craig with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Isla. How's it going? Hey, Vish. I'm excellent. How are you? <laughs> I'm well. It's nice to uh, talk to you again. It's been a while. Uh, where in the world are you today? Where in the world is Isla saying? Uh, I am in Toronto, Ontario, in my this apartment that I've lived in for like a decade, in the midst of packing it up, actually. So, oh, no. uh, on a busy street in Toronto, Okay, are you moving within the city? Are you leaving? Everyone I've talked to seems to be leaving Toronto, but are you staying in town? I'm staying in town. I'm actually going to live on the island for a spell. Oh, okay. This is like, uh, what, are you going to live on Gibraltar Point or something like that? Uh, Something like that, like a house. I'm going to sublet a house and oh. live the true meaning of my name. <laughs> right okay uh is that it you're just because of who you are you are drawn to toronto island yes i am an isla so i am i'm also not so far from being an island because my name <laughs> means island yeah. i i feel very compelled towards islands and i mean this is a pretty good segue for this conversation because uh i've just been more elementally drawn in the last little while and this opportunity came up and uh how could i say no it's uh, a magical space in this city so yeah yeah i am picking up on these elemental themes on your beautiful new record echoes reach congratulations on this it's another beautiful one thank you Vish. <laughs> it's my pleasure and you've got a hot band uh and i think uh 
we can get into kind of the stylistic aspects of it. But let's dig into what you mean there. No pun intended with the elemental digging, I guess. But what, what is it? What is it? Why are you feeling elemental at this point in your life and our lives together, maybe? Can you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, I, it's definitely a pervasive identification. <laughs> I think like, uh, starting with my name, it's it's definitely there. I've kind of been meditating on what's in a name, <laughs> what's in my name. And it's interesting. Like I, I remember going to see Patti Smith talks some years ago and she was speaking about the power of your name and like your name being your life's work or that, you know, it holds, it is the container for your life's work. And uh, that really resonates with me. And I, I am Isla Craig and I come from a family of immigrants. Uh, my family's from Scotland and my sister has since uh, made the trek back over to Ireland. And, you know, my name means Island rock. Like that would be the literal translation. Hmm. Um, and there's something incredibly <laughs> elemental about my name. And I guess I'm kind of struck by it, like just my name really feels like me and and so I'm also a Virgo that's my sun sign and we're earth people I have a I have a real uh like my vitality is really tied deeply to earth stuff yeah so you know I'm I'm a human so this isn't specific to me but I think that there's a lot of reason why this record uh took up that theme and space on a deeper level because it was created and conjured during the pandemic and mm-hmm. I live very close to the ravine system to the Don Valley ravine system and I walked there almost every day and really felt the containment and the template that nature provides yeah uh, especially like in a in a city this um conversation between like concrete and and resilient nature so the elemental is on so many levels there's just like a a long arc of of isla (laughs) and my particular experience of uh, my family and and place and islands and how it is my experience here communicates to them Mm, yeah yeah Yeah. and there's, there's a vibration in the elemental that's like it's a it's a slower process. It's quieter. It demands a different kind of attention. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've gone on quite a while here. No, 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 no. It's fine. No, I appreciate it. You do, you have not at all. I want to dig into some of what you're saying because you've raised an interesting thought for me about how the pandemic. We've been talking a lot about how the pandemic has raised a lot of questions about what we're all doing. But it seems to me you have spent some of the time during the pandemic trying to find answers to some of those questions. I think everything that you were just talking about, that's what I took away from it. But a quick side note, because you mentioned seeing Patti Smith talk real quick. Was that at the Art Gallery of Ontario in Toronto? Where was that? Uh, It was at the Design Exchange. It was after she released M-Train. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. I was at the Art Gallery of Ontario uh, talk she did. I think it was over lunch or something like that. It was in the afternoon. So I wondered if it was that. I'm a, I'm a fan of Patty. So uh, that's cool. Yeah, so, yeah. so she was talking about how the power of her own name. Is that what you were getting at there? 
Yeah, like the power of a name, like um, how your life's work is represented by your name and the um, uh, just the strength of that connection or what you imbue it with. And yeah, it's funny because during her talk, I I mean, Patty's like, a, I'm, I'm a huge Tori Amos fan, as you probably know. I think I've talked about Tori with you, but yeah, Patty was kind of like the person that came into my life after Tori that like really brought a whole different ethos, like, you know, a, a punk ethos, a poet, very different approach to creation. And she kind of blew my world open. So I definitely, I wanted to ask her a question. This is a woman that was really important to my creative, you know, my formative years. And so I like, <laughs> I asked her a question. It was a terrible question. And as soon as I asked it, I felt so... Uh, oh no, what was the question? Why was it a terrible question? Because I feel like it was kind of pointed towards... Okay, so my question was asking Patty about the proliferation of online music and creating music in a digital age when there's so much content and how an artist navigates that and how, what the career of an artist might look like in this new age. Mm -hmm. And she, she really shut it down. She was like, well, I don't think it's limiting. I think there's more access than ever for people. And, which is all true, but I think what it illuminated for me was, you know, asking these questions maybe to people that are in a very different, like, creative economy than myself. It. Oh, my God. You know, I, I encounter this all the time. I, the, the people who benefited from the old system and are established don't appreciate what your question is, which I what I take away from the question is, why are we allowing cultural creators to basically f live as hobbyists because almost everyone has to have another job like patty when you think about patty's trajectory today it seems unlikely she would have a career punk poet person uh, like a, right. a viable career like in terms of being able to afford and live in, in a big city but i hear this from people of her generation right like well you know, I've got all this. I'm not trying to disparage her per se, but that is a it's a privileged attitude to have because you've benefited from the thing. You have your financial stores, like you know, you're 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 short up. But what, when a young artist says, "Okay, so what do I do? How do I function?" You know, I want to be an artist. Like, how does that work? And they say, "Well, there's more opportunities than ever, but it's also as I think what you're getting at is." There's less remuneration and it's a much more saturated field. So mm -hmm. we've encountered our own versions of Patty Smith in, in Toronto and throughout Canada, you know, people who are strong performers and strong voices, but they become mo more or less mostly sort of cult artists. And what right. does that mean? Well, <laughs> it means you. You don't tend to make a ton of money to live in places. And anyway, now I'm going on and on. You, you, sorry, I'm just trying to take your side. I don't think that's a uh, incorrect question. Mm -hmm. I just think that when you're asking someone who did, I think Patty's thing. Sorry, I saw Patty Smith recently in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and in the midst of the Johnny Depp trial, she dedicated a song to her good friend Johnny, a song about Johnny. And I, and I was like, huh, 
Like, <laughs> just pro Johnny all the way. So my shade... So what I'm saying is, I love her, but I think she's a complicated person and an artist, and she doesn't o- always care about... I think she's from a generation's like, I got mine, you guys figure it out. Does that make sense? Yeah, respect. That's That makes a lot of sense. And I think that... You know, it's funny that... <laughs> I kind of diminished my question before I even asked it here, but it's absolutely valid. And I think maybe what it gets at is some of the like the the shame feeling of being um uh, I'm going to put quotes around hobbyist musician, like being someone that hasn't pursued it as a as a monetary career, and the recognition that you know a punk ethos in this way still is subsumed in the capitalist framework. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Music business is, is business with a capital B. So the way things shake out, whether you're a punk poet or, you know, a pop star is similar. There are, there are chosen elites who are, who are venerated and kind of maintain this position. Like, uh, and so it's hard to stay with the heart of like a creative practice I mean, if it wasn't for me, if it wasn't such a, a matter of the heart, yeah, then I don't think I would be in it. But it's not a question. It's like, you know, you make work because you're in communication with yourself and it's essential. That's not that's not monetizable. Well, but we've we've encountered artists who have expressed the conflict of being a part of that major label system or major business system. And in sorry, I can't help but think of Kurt Cobain. So, like someone who wanted the success, and by most accounts, personally, was like just nakedly ambitious, but was always trying to play it down because he felt self conscious about it. Patty is a punk poet on Columbia Records, you know, working for Sony. So we, I, I sometimes think about this too. Like we, I think we celebrate her success because can you believe? that this major company invested their resources into this fringe artist, but, but she's not a fringe artist. Like, <laughs> so sorry. Like I think they get credit. There's just certain people that have had real credibility points because of what they did and their expression. I hope this again, I lo- I've interviewed Patty. I love Patty. So I, I, I'm not trying to be negative and we're fixated on Patty right now, but I think this is symptomatic of our own consumption. Like, we do. Don't you agree? I like we tend to be like, can you believe this fring, yeah. fringe artist is successful? Yeah, I don't think the conversation. I mean, we, yes, we're talking about Patty as the <laughs> as the central yeah. reflector, but I think we're talking about the system here and and a generational difference, like what what it is that privilege provides within music and how you know that these radical choices are made are pretty great like i think of our time mm. when i hear kendrick lamar's work every everything he puts out i'm just like wow like yeah thank goddess kendrick is on this platform like what a gift that his work is to this culture but um yeah i mean who knows what negotiations are being made there it's like it's a fight that I don't know. I think some people you have to have the heart for it. Like, yeah. you know, being a successful musician on that level requires a, a, a myriad of tools that I just 
I don't have them. <laughs> like I'm pretty clear for myself yeah. that I don't have them. So, well, I, it's all it's also luck. It's luck and timing. It's not all talent. Like that's where we get. That's where the push and pull is. Like, can you believe so and so is on Columbia Records, but such and such is not even like a household name in Toronto because of how great they are, or in Edmonton or wherever, you know. So there's this. Yeah, we are supportive of creative people and I think a little baffled either way sometimes, whether they're a success in the conventional sense or whether they aren't, you know, like people will say Meg Remy or Simone. Sch- well, Meg Meg is, I think, doing well, but Simone Schmidt or somebody like incredible writers, incredible artists like why aren't they bigger like you know what i'm getting at there like it's the and and you i would put you in this category too like doing everything we can to support the ones we think are doing amazing work and then we hope i think all of us that they do well but are not i don't know i'm jaded right i'm not surprised either way anymore oh good that took off i'm glad i that makes sense oh that didn't take off i get i understand i love it but i get it you know where i'm coming from Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't. It's mysterious to me. I don't understand it at all. Yeah, like yeah. Simone's writing is pretty world class, but I could say the same for almost every person I know that creates work because it's really an embarrassment of riches here. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah, we're not. <laughs> yeah, know. we're not gonna. I just. I. It's funny. I frame this as a side note, and we've gone on and on, but we. We have delved into some questions that I think are floating around your mind. And that's what I was, that's where I was initially coming from. So to follow up, I gather the pandemic got you walking around your city, thinking about life and elemental aspects. Am I correct to suggest that this time has raised a lot of questions? For you about how you're living and how we're living and then within that do you feel like you maybe got to some answers in your songwriting here and in pondering what we're doing what it means to be island rock what it means to maybe leave the core of the city like why in a time of isolation i'm going to go to an island like that <laughs> like a very isolated uh, landmass, like, sorry, now it's a leading question. Let's get back to it. Well, it's, you know, I actually, I don't, I wasn't, it's not a thinking record. I really arrived in myself and in the spaces. I mean, this isn't specific to making a record. It's just, you know, how to move in the world and being aware and listening. And I've always kind of battled you know I am a Virgo so there's like a part of me that has expectations or standards that can actually really minimize creativity or you know something can get overwrought so I worked really hard to just clarify myself and the work came out of that but it's it's not about thought really (laughs) my approach to the record was just to like a real kind of earnest communing within a space. And it's more so about containment. I mean, so it's called echoes reach and the title of the record 
it came about in a very synchronistic way. Like I, it was the last thing I chose for the record and I didn't know what I was going to name it. And I just kind of had a list of words that were like poking out to me. And echo was one and I chose echoes reach and it's personalized echoes. And then I had a, I have a, a therapist I see and, and we were discussing this title and I told her that I had settled on Echo's Reach. And she was like, oh, well, there's this really incredible, like, Jungian feminist writer who has a book called Echo's Subtle Body. Hmm. And so, I, you know, after I named the record, I went and read this book. And it's about Echo. And it's interesting. I was listening to your Ways Blood interview. And you were talking about Narcissus and, like, the narcissistic elements of culture. Yes. And... Echo is the counterpart to Narcissus. Nar, nar, I be, it's Narcissus, I believe, not to correct you. I, All right, Narcissus. No, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, because he's. It's usually you are a narcissist. Not. <laughs> I don't usually say. <laughs> no, no, no. Speak to version of it. Yeah. Thank you for li- um, thank you for listening to the Wise Blood episode. Uh, I learned a lot from it um, in terms of what Natalie was talking about in terms of narcissists, and um, I am self conscious about the conversation as well because I was trying to keep up with someone who was very intelligent and I um I was babbling I think a little that's I'm just being honest with you a little but I also feel like we got to some good stuff so just to briefly interject since you invoked it I just mostly wanted to say thanks for listening that's very kind of you Isla but um yeah she she's she had a lot to say about different things and in a way that uh did profoundly impact me but I'm still sort of like, I think I biffed it. I think I screwed that episode up. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that is the realm of of thinking. Like <laughs> Echo is, so I'm just going to bring it back to Echo because I think that she is kind of um, like the antidote to this questioning of self or, you know, like feeling feeling as if we did not say the right thing or think yeah. think as fully and deeply as, or, or demonstrate our intellect. Echo is... Echo just repeats, right? Mm -hmm. She gives a space for reflection. And so it's less, I guess it is a question because she's repeating, but it's the space around the words, which kind of takes the headiness out of them. It's, it's more like, what is the body of thought? Like how, how do we find our way towards each other? And like, what kind of, what kind of space is needed for that? So yeah. I really took that as a, you know, I found it in the physical space of the ravine. It's it's a holding space. But I think this, you know, containment is something that we all encountered in some way or another in the pandemic, you know, being confined. But so I was I was looking for this space where I could be held in, in whatever space I could manage to steal away. And, and so it's not really about thinking it's about being and just kind of allowing, because I think going back to what I started to say was, you know, I, I often have ideas about how things should go or the standard for myself. And I really like return to something uh, pretty fundamental about my creative impulse in this record and I think in the past like sometimes with my piano playing I'd be like oh you know it's like uh too much like something else or it's too emotive you know like too ultra feminine Mm. but 
that's that is the that is the medicine like i'm just going to be straight i think that is what a time like this is calling for people need space to have their experiences this has been a really complex time so i'm not sure that we need more thinking about it or you know thinking is helpful but it's it's only one side of yeah. things people need to feel their way through as well so do you feel like you in in some of these songs or when you talk about echo are you echoing uh, aspects of your own past or your own expression uh, in any way? Like, are you contemplating your... I, I guess I'm. what I'm getting at is I feel like there's a lot of I pronoun here, but I also feel like you're speaking very universally. But I'm just trying to pick out if you feel like there are nods to yourself in songs like Moon or things like that. Like, do you know what I'm getting at there? Oh, Yeah. When I see water carry into another, I don't know. I'm like, wait a minute. This sounds familiar to me. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> uh, that was on my last <laughs> th- There you go. That's what I'm getting at. That was on The the Becoming, I believe, right? Yeah. Every so, record has like a, a shout out to the one before it. So that's the thread that I pulled through from from The Becoming into this one. Well, interestingly, in the like that, that singing in on that uh, when in the previous record, like that has been living in my brain since I first heard it. And oddly enough, you're doing a round, a chorus, like an echo, like you echo yourself, you repeat the words. So sorry, I'm getting a little too heavy handed, but you know where I'm coming from? Yeah, it's actually, that's Victoria Chong on the record, one of, or AKA New Chance. Yes. That's her singing that. It's, yeah, it's absolutely personal. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just how I create work. It isn't abstract to me, but I think it is speaking to more like universal experiences of, of being human. Like while it might come through uh, a narrative that is my lens, I think there's something in my approach to this one about the timing and to really let things take time and, you know, like slow burn jams. Yeah. Yeah, which was a, an intention around letting things take the time they take, like not not having to have a like a pressurized sense of form. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's kind of the universal part of it, or like the containment is like maybe how long a song is and what happens in that space, like what the players are doing. There's a whole conversation in the music that is that is other than the narrative. So. All of these things are true and present, right? Yes, absolutely. Do you want to talk a little bit about the players? You, you I don't know. I, my wife and I have been listening to the record in the kitchen uh, lately, and she's like a little mystified by the sound of it. Like she's, she's like, this is very, it's like a jazz record, but then it's not a jazz record. It goes in these other directions, and that's just her kind of walking in and out of the room, you know, not doing a particularly deep listen. But yeah, it... Certainly in genre signifier terms, it is a little all over the place. It gives it a looseness, but I, I wonder if you can talk about, you did just talk about why that might be the case, but you talk about who was involved and any directions you gave, whether it was improvised or, or, or composed. Can you talk about those things? Well, I guess the thing that makes it jazz, because I don't think my actual like songwriting style has any kind of jazz sensibility. That's mm-hmm. I'm not the jazz element. The jazz element is are, are the player's that I work with. 
And uh, so in preparing for the recording, we had a few rehearsals, but it's a pretty loose process with these people. So it's Evan Cartwright on drums, Ted Crosby on saxophone and Mike Smith on bass. Mm -hmm. So there was the four of us in the studio and I wanted to do like a live off of the floor recording just to capture the performance and and so in that, it really allows these jazz players to bring their skills to the table because they're incredibly flexible in terms of how they relate within a live setting to music. Like it's a very, it's alive and breathing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something I've cultivated over some time. I've worked with Mike and Evan before and Ted is maybe one of my favorite players <laughs> these days like i i just met him in the last few years and i i think he's uh, a singular voice i i love nothing more than to play with him so i kind of allocated what i might have left for voices in past projects i i really wanted the saxophone to take up that voicing mm-hmm. and presence and so maybe that's what makes it jazz, you know. There's a there's a saxophone that's uh, very frontal in in the melodic structure. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess I'm also just I'm not wedded to any idea of uh, of genre for myself, and maybe that's confusing for listeners. But I like if you saw me perform these songs solo or in other iterations, like they they have very different lives and. I think that that's an important thing to honor about music and performance that things can change. And as a performer and someone that writes songs, you know, there's like a relative structure in writing a song that you return to. So I guess for my own interest, I want those other elements to be changing and yeah, just not as fixed. You know, I don't want to do a rudimentary music 101 thing here, but for those of us who know a little bit about history and and music, um, there is a clear and acknowledged connection between whatever we deem to be um, psychedelia and improvised and, and jazz music. They're both free kaleidoscopic kinds of things. So I don't, when, when I invoke jazz or you invoke jazz, and you work with the cosmic range or whoever else like you are in those two realms arguably and they are connected based on my very very recent uh thesis that i've presented to you do you have a particular align do you see where i'm coming from like does the notion of the conventional or genre signifier notion of psychedelia appeal to you in a sense where you feel like I am kind of part of some form of that tradition. Um, Can you speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I guess those are the signifiers that are often used in describing my music and in this record. And I do find them useful. And, but I, I think the jazz part is like my players, my, my fellow travelers in the music and the psychedelia is like my, uh, I just, uh, I feel, I feel psych and, in the way I move in life and my own interests and a lot of, yeah, there is a shared idea around like time and how to navigate <laughs> time and space. Psychedelia really like lays a landscape out. And 
I think that my music kind of aims at that level of things, you know, mm-hmm. just like the substrate of a of a landscape, something that you can stretch out within. And the jazz is like the spice, the pepper. <laughs> um, and also like getting to showcase these beautiful players, like, you know, the music is and the, the record, the recorded music is it's my music it's under my name but i really do feel like it's equal parts it's it you're getting to hear these beautiful players in their i don't know like their own creative expression and i i give a lot of respect and and weight to that so i i wanted a certain equality within the music so i think that that's kind of a jazz sensibility like you know space like the way the way solos work the way people talk and and give space and listen it's um it's a responsive medium yeah i agree and i think we're um sort of circumnavigating ideas about liberation in art and as i get back to some of the themes that you've talked about in terms of the lyrics on this record and it's you invoked my conversation with natalie so i'm going to go back to it because it was also um a pandemic era record and that it was contemplating what our lives have all been like. And I think, as you may recall, we kind of got into social media and, and uh, technology, basically the internet and how it impacts uh, the way we're living. And hers is an album that, and, and I've encountered a number of them recently, in fact, where there is this call to get a little more elemental and a little bit away from all of our technological constraints. And I feel like that is also, certainly from my perspective, I have been very much married to a computer or a phone for most of my days because of the various work I do. And that uh, that has been the case for me for a long time, again, given the work that I do. But I feel like in the pandemic, this was heightened because we just, so many more people had to be sort of tethered to machines to connect with the world because some parts of it were locked down. Do you suppose your exploration of elemental aspects of life and the human condition stems from a little bit of that? Like, man, this sucks. We're all just these cyborgs. I want to really talk about getting free of that. I want to try to talk about ways in which we can live differently. And I'm personally going to try to get away from it a little bit, the the urban sort of technological uh, lifestyle. Um, can you speak to that? Is that is any of that there? I mean, yeah, I think out of necessity, because screen life was what was needed. Like I was working through a screen. I think most of us were. Um, <laughs> when you're working on music, things become very screen-based too at a certain stage of the process. So mm-hmm. I guess, it, again, it's like I wasn't really thinking about it, but just uh, I was definitely called to towards the antidote, which seems to be non-screen space, uh, green space. And it's just so clear when we get away from things, what the trance is, you know, like a screen has a certain mindset, <laughs> a state of mind that it, that it calls up in us. And yeah. yep. I think it can be easy to like, point out all of the ways that that is damaging because uh, you know it isn't it isn't human contact and god knows we are i mean myself speaking i was i was very starved from the pandemic i think a lot of people were in terms of human contact and so yeah there's a real impact of this whole dimension that yeah 
again, it's like, I don't know that I think about it in, in a thoughtful way, but I feel it in my body and I feel what the reintroduction to being with people has offered me and like just how much we need to heal in that way. And, you know, when bodies became these like contaminants, you know, I think the body of nature really helped uh, humanity to understand something about healing mm. mm-hmm. and what a way forward might be because we've done a lot of damage to the earth and, and to natural spaces and something like the ravine network in Toronto is just such a, I mean, the reason I find it so beautiful is because it's kind of nasty. Like it's, it's not an idealized version of nature. It's, it's like wastewater and these like low points that collect a lot of the, the like refuse and runoff of, of neighborhoods, but it's also a space of regeneration and like nature finds this way hmm. to, to make use of it. And maybe that sounds a bit idealistic, but it's also just a template of like perseverance and how to move. <laughs> and, you know, the ravine has like uh, the trees can only grow a cer- certain height because they can only get roots that are so low. And then things are always falling over. Like it's messy. It's, it's real. So hmm. I guess nature uh, has helped to relate yeah. and helps me to feel embodied in a time where, you know, we are out of necessity having to be more disembodied. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. You've invoked this ravine a few times and I've failed to follow up on what your actual relationship is with this ravine. Um, can you, sorry, I, it's my mistake. Can you can you expand upon this? What is your relationship with this ravine? Just a just a basic human one, you know, walking. Um, oh, okay. Sorry, I wasn't sure if you were if it was part of like um, a vocational thing. Uh, <laughs> it depends what you mean by vocation. I guess <laughs> I uh, didn't know if you had some sort of job where you had to go to the ravine every day or a few times a week, or you're just you're saying you just. I now that you're speaking and you're clarifying. The ravine is a place of respite for you as a person? I don't know, because what you just said about uh, a job and, you know, it being a place I need to go to, that's absolutely its function for me. I'm not <laughs> I'm not going there to work, but it is it is a part of my work. I view this as a part of my process. The ravine doesn't have a payroll department that you're a part of. <laughs> uh no, but oh. I'm sure it's a part of a city structure. Um, yes, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> in the ravine, like, so in the Dawn Network, there's this, there's one team I know of, they're called Don't Mess with the Dawn. And it's like just stewardship models of people. Ah, okay. Like volunteering on weekends and like cleaning up invasive species and cleaning, cleaning these spaces. And I've had quite a busy work life in the last few years. So I haven't actually gone out with them, but I do like, rogue stewardship uh on my walks i i clean up the ravine and (laughs) so yeah i mean that's vocational to me it's like it's getting outside of that capitalist frame of like i get remuneration for the work i do like the investment is energetic the the relationship is reflective and and that's work too I think that's what I'm trying to. Uh, I I I appreciate the distinction. I didn't mean to insinuate anything. Uh, you're right to uh, 
uh, take this tone with me. I I misspoke. I just I just was trying to figure out if because that can happen too. Uh, people change careers because of things like pandemics. Like, what the hell am I doing? I should just devote my life to environmental stewardship. That's all. That should be our main concern. We know. I know people who have been able to do that, and you know that kind of stuff crosses my mind sometimes too. Like what? When I ask about questions and answers that have been raised in this time, that's one of the things I'm thinking about. Like a, one of the main questions is, what are we doing and why? What are we doing every day and why? Because people invoke things like people are quiet quitting. But I think what that's a minimizing, a way of minimizing the fact that people are like, what am I doing? Why am I wasting my, my life seems like it's more finite than I, life seems more finite right now. What are we doing to preserve it for us and the future generations? So those are kinds of some of the questions I think that have popped up. I don't know if you feel like I do that we're not acknowledging some of those really important questions as much right now. It feels like everyone's just kind of been like, oh, it's over. We can go back to normal when normal wasn't that great. Again, I don't mean to get so heavy. I don't know if that's any motivation or any any sort of factor in these songs, but that's where I've been coming from. So A, I apologize. And B, <laughs> that's where I was coming from. That's all I wanted to say. Well, you don't need to apologize. I think I was I'm just trying to all like lift up the I think this is just my own work of like what the internalized capitalism is in me and like wanting to rewrite that narrative and to speak it. So that's, yeah. that's why I responded. I, did. <laughs> it's, I mean, I work in, I work as a therapist. So my commitment to, <laughs> to like depth work is, uh, is my life. And I don't really make a distinction between something like the process of the record and and the process of how I am with others therapeutically because it all it is about capacity and and meaning making yeah. and absolutely that's been ruptured for you know it's been ruptured for individuals but there's like a a seismic rupture here so uh, it's an appropriate big question like yeah. there's no have a concise answer for you but just a recognition that things are people are not okay yeah things it is not business as usual like musicians trying to come back into a musical practice is is an incredibly difficult thing right now like mm -hmm. what is the balance of like putting out work supporting that work and taking care of people like these are really complex times and i mean that's that's what i talk with i talk with all people in my life about these issues. I think, how can you not? It's, it's been hard. Yeah. Well, listen, I feel like you have done a remarkable and masterful job of trying to process these kinds of questions and thoughts and putting them forth on this record. So I thank you again for that. You mentioned your practice and what people are like you are trying to do. So within that, can you talk a little bit about your future plans? Like, do you have plans for shows or tours if possible? Uh, and within that also, are you, are you writing new music or contemplating new recordings, th those sorts of things? Can you speak to those things? Yeah, sure. I mean, I have some shows. I'm playing a, a Happy Sunday show on December 11th in Toronto. It's one of this, uh, it's a free series being put on at the Baby G. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm playing there with Beams and Joy Shape. 
mm-hmm. on the 11th. I'm playing in Hamilton on January 8th with Sarah Good and the Bads uh, and, and my bandmates. And then, um, you know, TBD for other shows. Um, yeah, the work of Echo's Reach has kind of like opened into some of my own practice and interest around guitar playing, which has not been a strength of mine or not something I've noted as a strength. Uh, so I've really been working on developing my own approach to guitar playing. And I spent time in Scotland this summer. And so I'm really kind of thinking a lot about the folk forms, the histories of that music and, you know, how much they've informed my life. And so maybe that will be informing this new work that is bubbling up. But oh, wow. um, hmm. yeah. So you're thinking things are percolating. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's no clear delineation between, I think, Echo's Reach and, and what's working in me now. It's they're they're definitely linked. All right. Well, no, that's remarkable. So I like that. I, I appreciate the continuum as well uh, within your records and within your work. So sorry if I've missed any things. I'm sure there's other sort of Easter eggs, if you will, or nods to the past. <laughs> uh, is that fair? No, it's all, I, I think we've uh, we've done well in our conversation together, and it, it's of its time. So <laughs> I appreciate that. So Isla, if people want to learn more about you and uh, Echoes Reach using uh, our hated technology systems, uh, where would you like to send them on the internet or elsewhere? Uh, go to Bandcamp. I mean, I think that's the best way. Uh, my record is out on Ide Fix Records. Uh, so there's a vinyl version of that, a beautiful vinyl uh, and digital records. Uh, that's what I would like to uh, prioritize as mm-hmm. the way people can hear music. And um, follow me on Instagram and I'll tell you what I'm doing. <laughs> it's a beautiful album cover too. Are you? It's a, I believe it's a photo of you from Taken on High. Are you in the ravine that we were talking about? I am in the ravine. Yes, there go. it's shot by my dear friend Claire Harvey. Uh, <laughs> I could say so much more about the about the images, but we don't have time. But there is a whole <laughs> process around the image making for the record, and um, and that is in collaboration with Claire Harvey, an incredible photographer yeah. and friend. Nice. Yeah, no, it's lovely, and uh, I appreciate that. Um, if we can go out on a song. From Echo's Reach. Isla, can you choose one for us and uh, let us know why you, you chose it? Well, let's go out on uh, Psych, Valley Girl, because I was just talking about instrumental like guitar work, and this song is my first almost entirely instrumental song. Huh. Uh, it is just very directly conjuring conjuring the valley space with with limited lyrics, I sing at the very end of it, but it is um, the end of the record. It is the tale of the echo and is leading us into whatever comes next. I see. So just to clarify, and I think you just did, there's a Psych Valley Girl part one that comes through in the middle of the record. And then part two, as you just alluded to, ends the record. So we're going out on the closing song. That's the plan? Yeah, on the digital um, version, it's a full song, but on the record, it's split. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Wait a minute. I, well, whatever I got is split. I see. Okay. So uh, digitally, these two songs could be connected. So I should just play. I could play 
sorry, this is getting weird. I can play both of them? Is that what you're saying? I should conjoin them in some way using uh, my editing skills? Yeah, or I could just send you the track. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that would be great. Okay, well, in, I, in any case, whether I have to do anything or not, this is Psych Valley Girl from Echo's Reach, a beautiful new album by the wonderful Isla Craig. Isla, uh, thank you so much for being back on the show and making time for me. I hope this was enjoyable for you, and I wish you the best luck in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Fish.
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, it's lovely to hear some new music there by Isla Craig and also lovely to have you. Back on the show there, Isla. Sorry we ran out of time. I had some other stuff I got to get to, and we were having some technical issues at the beginning, but no one has to know that. I don't know why I'm sharing it. I just want to say, Isla Craig, thank you so much for appearing on this, the 739th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever people get their podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for, if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, which I need to do for this month. I'm sorry, I've just been waiting on a couple of confirmations of things and it's taken forever. Anyway, if you want to learn more about me and the newsletter and all those things, please visit vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter, still, at vishcreative, or follow me directly on Instagram and on Twitter, at vishkana. Also, visit patreon.com slash Control, please, to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. That is the primary source of revenue, consistent revenue for this show. And uh, I appreciate every donation so much. $6 American or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. You get the episodes a bit earlier than everybody else and some bonus stuff. And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt at that $6 or more level, just message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. You don't have to start with $6. If you start with $6, you can bring it down. You can bring it up. Uh, you can start wherever you want. But $6 gets you a little bit extra stuff, and uh, that helps me too. So again, if you want to support the show financially, I mean, not just by being a dedicated listener. Thanks for doing that. Visit patreon.com slash Control. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my uh, small but uh, strong friend, Jim Guthrie, for letting me use music of his on this show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Isla Craig. It was nice to have Isla back on the show, and her new album is wonderful. Might fly under the radar for some folks, so I hope uh, this uh, uh, intrigued you to check it out. Echo's Reach is great. All her records are great. All her work is great. I love Isla. She's great. Anyway, thanks to Isla, and thanks to you again for listening to this episode and for subscribing to this podcast and uh, following it and telling your friends all about it and spreading the word about it because that really uh, helps the show uh, find more people, and that's, that's all I can do. Anyway, thank you again. I hope you're well and keeping well, and I will talk to you very soon. Goodbye for now.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.